Clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on with your eyes closed. I want you to make as much noise right now as you can. Giving God a high praise in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, all over this building. All over this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I just come believing today that somebody's going to leave filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, if you've never had it, I want you to get it. But I'm looking at a lot of people that may already have it, but you could use it again. Touch your neighbor and say, I know you need it again. Look at your spouse and say, you really need it again. Come on, somebody. Did you come to have a move of the Holy Ghost today? Amen, amen, amen. Turn with me this morning. Book of Galatians chapter 3. Give honor to your pastor, the leadership, Brother Long, Brother Sister Hughes, Sister Sarah Long, and all the hosts. Let me tell you, it takes more than just a couple of people to keep this thing going. There's a big leadership team that works behind the scenes that you don't see. You just show up and experience the move of God. But there's a lot that happens. And I think we ought to give them all a hand of appreciation for everything that this church staff does. The music. The music. You know, I've, I've, come to, I've come to find out that people are quick to tell you what's wrong, but slow to tell you what's right. Don't be one of those people. Anybody could gripe. There's not a shortage of, uh, of discouragers. There's a shortage of encouragers. Let's be that voice that declares what we th- we're thankful for in the house of God. What is right. That was, that was a little bit of pastor in me. I'm an evangelist this morning. I thought I had direction, but the Holy Ghost just spoke to me uh, while I was standing over there. And so we're just going to walk after the Holy Ghost this morning, okay? Amen. Galatians 3, verse 3. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, capital S, that means Holy Ghost, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Amen. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Verse number 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first 
am the last. I'm going to stop right there. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's what I want to preach. In the spirit on the Lord's day. If we're going to get anything out of this service, it will not be in your flesh. It's go- I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost right now. It's going to be because you made up your mind, I am going to get in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. Raise your hands to heaven one more time, Lord Jesus. Over these next few moments, something has to happen in the Spirit world. It cannot happen in the flesh, but there's got to be a transition. There's got to be a host of angels that steps in this room and brings us to places that we, our hearts desire. In the name of Jesus, I take dominion over every thought. I take dominion over everything that is foreign to the will of God. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, clap your hands right now unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Touch your neighbor and say, you need to get in the spirit. You may be seated. There is something in the DNA of humanity that causes us to want to be in control. I I don't mind telling you, I like to be in control. I can be opinionated, but it's because it's right. You don't want somebody opinionated who's always wrong. I got a sign in my office that says, I I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. I keep it right there so when people come in, they see it on my bookshelf. I... I'm one of those people that always likes to drive because there's nothing worse than being stuck with people somewhere that you're miserable and you can't leave. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I love you, but I'm driving because when I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm not sitting here waiting on you. I'm talking to people just like me. I like to be in control. We crave control. I realize that there's different types of personalities and some are more passive and, 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 but, but everybody to a degree wants to be in control. I'm one of those that when I leave and I get in a vehicle, it's always a race. I've got to win. That's just how I'm wired. I don't care if I'm going to the dollar store. I want to see if I can beat my time last time. And there's those others that let's just want to enjoy. Just the Bible says the king's business requires haste. I got scripture, okay. When we go on vacation, it's miserable for some people, not me, but it's miserable for others. Because I keep a mental log of every car I pass. And the worst part about the trip, the worst part about the trip is having to stop 
Because when you got five females in your vehicle, when I get hear that door shut, I've got one objective, and that is to repass everybody that I just spent three hours passing. Come on. Now, brother, I'm not going to look over here because they're pointing somebody out. But I'm always racing for pole position. That's that control factor. And we got to ask ourselves, where do we get that within us? Where, where does this come from? I can tell you why we struggle so bad wanting control. It's because when God created Adam and Eve, it was a beautiful relationship between God the creator and man his creation. And they experienced divine communion in the garden in the cool of the day. They had what, what was God's original plan of creation, what things will return to after his coming. But when man sinned, what did God take from them? He took dominion. What is dominion? It's control. He said, I, I, I gave you control. You could do anything you wanted to do in this garden. You had authority and dominion over the animals. You had dominion over the ground. You had dominion over everything in life. But because sin entered the picture, he said, I've got to remove control. And since that time, man has been fighting to regain control. You didn't ask for it. It's your old Adamic nature. It's your carnal man that comes out to womb grabbing and reaching and wanting that control in your life. And it's easy. We laugh about it when they're children and they're grabbing toys saying, mine, mine. That's that control they're wanting. But that old Adamic nature stays with you throughout your life. And this is what the Bible says. The flesh warreth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So you've got the Spirit of God that, that moved upon the face of the waters and that put everything in the place that is and that had that relationship with humanity. That Spirit of God that is so pure, it's so righteous, it's so right. But then you've got the Spirit of error. The Bible says, hereby know we the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. The Spirit of error is what caused man to fall and man to sin. And these are contrary. It's never going to be a time that the spirit of God and the flesh of man, that carnal nature, are in harmony. It's not going to happen. They're always going to oppose each other. That's why Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. There's a generation that is not going towards God and you've got to pull yourself from it and start making a move to God. And so God said, I've got to have a plan of restoration. I've got to have a plan of redemption. And he began to establish covenant. Dispensations, what we call them, where God dealt with man differently. And their salvation was determined based upon their obedience in that covenant. 
And God said, I'm going to establish a law. But the law is not going to be the end of everything because I'm going to robe myself in flesh and I'm not going to destroy the law. I'm going to fulfill the law. That's why the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster. If if God would have came in the flesh first, then they would not have understood who he was. To understand who God is, you have to look at what he likes and dislikes. So God said, I'm going to establish law which is who I am. It's my character. It's by what I like, what I dislike. And then I'm going to fulfill the law. What is the fulfillment of the law? The Bible says the fulfillment of the law is love. And so he established the law. Let me tell you, people think just because God's a God of mercy and God's a God of love uh, that he he's changed his mind uh, on what he liked and disliked in the Old Testament. That's not true. God cannot change. If he said it's wrong in the Old Testament, uh, that means it's wrong in the New Testament. If he said I don't like it in the Old Testament, it means he doesn't like it in the New Testament. But brother, we got people by the millions and billions that are fighting to keep control. We live in a society today that doesn't want anybody to tell them what to do. Anti-authority. What is authority? Control. Authority is somebody that's put in place to maintain control in an entity or in a region. And so you got to remember, what happens in the physical is a mirror of what's happening in the spiritual. And over the past few years, uh, you're seeing everybody go crazy because they're against control. Why do you think they call it out of control? I call it crazy. They say, they're just out of control. It means they're not obeying anything or anybody. And it's this, what's happening in the physical is mirroring what's happening in the spirit world. Is the spirit, what do you think antichrist is? It's a spirit that is anti-control because Christ is the supreme control of the world. And that spirit's going to step on the scene and say, no, he ain't going to be in control. I want to be in control. What do you think Lucifer did in heaven? He, well, he stepped on the scene and said, I want to be in control. And so when God moves upon a person's heart, what do you surrender when you come to God? Control. The Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What did Jesus say was a prerequisite for following him? He said, if any man follow after me, the first thing he has to do is deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you want to follow the Lord, you have to put your ego on the altar. Let me tell you, the enemy of your salvation is not the devil as much as it is your pride and your ego. But if you want to make it to heaven, you got to understand, I got to put this, uh, this ego on an altar. I got to be saved. 
come to God. Why do you think Jesus or the Lord chose the tongue to be the sign of salvation? Because it's the hardest thing to control. But tell you, jumping up and down is not a sign you got the Holy Ghost. If that's the case, then uh, they all got the Holy Ghost at the ball game last night. If that's the sign. Running is not the sign. Doing all of the theatrics of worship is not the sign. Because you can do all of that and still be in control. But the Bible says when you come to God and you believe that he wants to fill you with his spirit, that when you get the Holy Ghost, everybody's going to know you got the Holy Ghost because there's going to be a sound come out of your mouth that nobody taught you. But that sound is speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And friend, if you've never had it, God says today is your day to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost. May help somebody this morning. I shared my testimony here years and years ago, but there's so many people here that's new, I'm going to share it again. I was raised in church. My mother was a bus kid and fell in love with Jesus. Sister Long's grandparents took her in when she was 15 years old. They got married in Sister Long's grandmother's house when my mother was 17 in high school. And I, I was raised in church and Brother Creer was my pastor for about a year, then Brother Allen. And, and, and so I knew what to do in church. You see, you can know what to do and still be lost. And I remember I was about nine years old. We had an evangelist. He lined the front of the altar with chairs. Anybody remember the hot seat back in the day? Ever heard of the hot seat? We have a tree stump in our men's prayer room and a tree stump in our ladies' prayer room. And if you sit down, I don't even care if it's sitting down to tie your shoe, you're going to get prayed through on that tree stump. It's the hot seat. It's like. But back then, I was just a kid. But along all my friends was going up there, so why not? Let's go do this thing. Went and sat on the chair. Said a little prayer, and nothing happened. But I go to the bathroom. There's my buddy. He goes, man, I got the Holy Ghost this morning, or this tonight. He said, did you? Well, you got to understand, I was the kid in class that didn't care what grade he made. If I turned it in first, I won. As long as I turn it in first, I'm good. Don't care what you put on it. So not to be outdone, I said, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. Got the, ain't no Holy Ghost even near me. Yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. So I didn't think, I mean, that was bathroom talk. I didn't think nothing really about it. We go in the church and he tells my mom, my mom said, you got the Holy Ghost. Yes, ma'am, the Holy Ghost. 
Well, Brother Allen was walking by, and she said, well, well, tell Brother Allen. I'm like, whoa, this thing's getting big fast. (laughs) Brother Allen, I got the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord, Brother Tyler. Next service, he's calling me up to get my Holy Ghost certificate. And I mean, I'm going, this is bad. Like, this ain't good. It's one thing to lie, but it's another thing to be lying about having the Holy Ghost. I'm like, thank you. Little did I know that that lie would start nearly seven years of misery in my mind. Because when you're nine, you can act like a heathen and people think, oh, he ain't got the Holy Ghost, he's just a boy. But when you start getting older, anybody know how hard it is to act holy when you're really not? Don't raise your hand. So 10 years old, 11 years old. 12 years old. Now it's starting to get serious. Now I understand what's going on. I've been lying about the Holy Ghost this whole time. I mean, I got a piece of paper that ain't worth nothing. But I don't have the Holy Ghost. 13 years old. 14 years old. And I'm going, what am I going to do? Listen, I tried everything that I saw everybody else do to get the Holy Ghost. If they jumped, I jumped. They cried, I cried. I mean, I'm telling you, I would get mad at people who showed up for the first time and they walk up, throw their hands up and they're talking in tongues like a Chinaman and I'm going, I've been here my whole life. I can't get this thing. What's going on? I was getting frustrated. I'd start weeping and crying, asking God, don't come back yet, God. I don't have the Holy Ghost. I would feel the Spirit of God come upon me. And well-meaning saints would, like vultures, surround me. I'm not going to do an altar working seminar right now, but I could. I've traveled enough and seen ignorant people. But I was in a quandary because... I couldn't act too desperate because they thought I already had it. But I really needed it. And people would say, yield, just yield, just yield. And I'm telling you, all I could see was a yellow caution light in my mind going, I don't know what you're talking about right now. (laughs) Finally, in 1999, I said, you know what? I got to blow my cover because I'm lost. See, it was my pride. That was keeping me from going to an altar and being honest with God. And I told my youth pastor, I said, hey, here's the deal. I don't have the Holy Ghost. Been lying about it this whole time, blah, blah, blah. And this is what he said. He said, you got to stop worrying about talking in tongues. He said, because you're seeking tongues instead of seeking God. I said, well, what you want me to do? He goes, I just want you praising God. Just focus on the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I'm going, that's it? I've been killing myself for all these years. 1999 at youth camp. Watch this. A day service. God don't even like day services at camp. A day service. And I had my arm around a buddy of mine. We weren't even in the altar. We were in the aisle. 
And I just was locked on the Lord and started saying, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Somebody came and laid hands on him. And I heard myself start speaking in the most beautiful language as God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. If you want the Holy Ghost this morning, you got to get over your ego and say, I'd rather be saved than be liked by people. God wants to fill somebody with his spirit this morning, but you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to that altar. Clap your hands right now unto the Lord. When you start this thing, you start it in the spirit. He said, I'm going to give you power. When you're endued with my spirit, you're going to have power. You're going to have authority. You're going to have control in the spirit world. But what happens is, we start this thing in the spirit. We dance. We worship. We get lost in the Holy Ghost. But then there's that war between the flesh and the spirit. Let me preach to some people today that you've been in this thing a long time. And you can remember services where the spirit of God was so strong you was afraid to even open your eyes. And you danced and you shouted and you responded in the spirit. But somewhere along the way, your flesh wanted that control back. And next time the spirit nudged you, you said, no, people are looking. Next time the spirit nudged you to get out and start worshiping, you, you quench, quench the spirit because you're controlled. We tell you, pride will send you to hell sitting on a church pew. We're in a world that wants to control everything. And a ship in the water is a beautiful thing. But water in the ship is deadly. And the church in the world's a beautiful thing. But the world in the church is deadly. And when we let that spirit of the world that wants to control everything come into the church, then we're the ones that's going to suffer the price. Hey, let's talk to Uzzah who said, I need to control the church. Because he came to the threshing floor and it started looking a little unsteady. And a man reached out and tried to exert control over that ark. And God said, hold on, buddy. My church doesn't need help. My ark doesn't need help. My mercy doesn't need help. And he lost his life because he tried to be in control. Oh, I'm going to preach just a minute. Because we got people wanting to control everything. They want to control their own relationships. They want to control their own identity. They want to control everything. Pastor, don't try to tell me what to do. I'll control my life. You just tell me what I want to hear. God didn't put a pastor in your life to tell you what you want to hear. But what you need to hear to be saved. And if you want to be saved, you got to give up control. Come on, clap your hands right now. I want us to fill after the Holy Ghost. Hey, 
stay there with the Bible said that that prophet went and had a, there was a man with a line in his hand and he measured the water and it was to his ankles. Then there was waters to the knees. Y'all with me? Waters to the loins. Waters to swimming. You know the difference in each stage? How much control you give up. You go stand in the, go to the ocean and you start walking and you stand in water to your ankles. You're in control. You're feeling it, but you're still in control. You walk a little further to the knees. That current is a little stronger, but you're still in control. You walk out to waist deep waters. You can move with the water, but you're still in control. But you go to those dimensions where your feet can't touch bottom. You know what you gave up? You surrendered yourself to the current. And we got too many people that are coming to church on Sundays and they're satisfied with just feeling a little bit uh, but maintaining their control. Uh, But that's not where God wants you to be today. God wants you to give up your control to get in the dimensions uh, of the Spirit. Uh, John said, I was in the Spirit uh, on the Lord's day. Uh, Did you come to church this morning uh, just to get goosebumps? uh, Or did you come to get in the Spirit uh, on the Lord's day? I want you to clap your hands and start pressing with me right now. Come on, press with me in the Holy Ghost just a moment. You need to get in the Spirit. You need to get in the Spirit. You need to get in the Spirit. Come on, we're going somewhere. Let me tell you how I know when people are getting trying to get their control back. What's happening on the inside always manifests itself on the outside. And Paul said, if I build again the things which were once tore down, that I myself have become a transgressor. And I can, I have traveled all over this country and I've been repeated to churches and churches and churches. And I've seen people who slowly started going backwards and not responding to the Lord like they once did. It's a control issue. They don't want the spirit to, to control them. They want to be in control. Be seated just a second. We're going somewhere. I would love to tell you that even I'm exempt from this, but I'm not. I'm a human. We've been in revival with Brother Poe. And we had a service a few weeks ago. It's like eight weeks now, nine weeks, I can't remember. And the Holy Ghost was moving in such a tremendous manner. I got off the platform and started praying with my daughter. And I've never been drunk in the Holy Ghost. Number Number one, I've never been drunk, okay? If it tastes like it smells, you can have it. Don't want none of it. 
I used to have to clean my, my employer's truck out. He drank old Schaefer's light. He'd start drinking in the morning about 7.30, 8 o'clock. He'd toss those cans in the back of his truck when he was done. And it'd pile up and he'd say, Tyler, go clean my truck out. And I'd go out to clean all that Schaefer's light, old cheap, nasty beer. That stuff sunk so bad. I said, God, you delivered me. And I didn't even drink this stuff and I'm already delivered. But I've never been drunk in the Holy Ghost. Because analytical minds are the hardest to yield to the Lord. Because we want to figure it all out. And my mind's always tried to figure out, okay, Lord, here, okay, here, explain to me how this is going to happen here. I need a blueprint so I can process what we're going to do here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not one of those that just has blind faith and just jumps out and thinks later. I've got to think that thing through. Well, I felt wobbly that night. And I remember going to supper with Brother Poe and I said, Elder, I said, I, I, I think I was close to getting drunk with the Holy Ghost tonight. And he said, you hold on, it's going to happen. I said, all right. So that next week, you know, we want to tell God how we want to do it. And that couple of services later, the Holy Ghost was moving. I mean, powerful. And I said, God, I want it tonight. I want to get laid out in the Holy Ghost tonight. And so the way our platform is, our chairs are over here. And, and I was standing and I'm telling you, I did everything I could do. I, if it, I jumped up and down. I went down there and grabbed people and started. And, I'm, and I didn't feel nothing. Nothing. I walked back up on that platform and I'm going, God, I, I'm so out of breath because I'm out of shape. I, have mercy on me. I don't know what else to do. Get drunk in the Holy Ghost. I was standing over there by my chair. My chair's over there. And the Lord said, roll across that platform and you'll get it. And I went. That wasn't in the playbook, God. Hold up. I missed this one. And I'm standing over there. I mean, people are just going nuts. And I'm over there you know, doing my theatrics, but in my mind, I'm going, what is going on? I said, Lord, I've never rolled in my life. I mean, I've rolled over, but laying in the bed, but I ain't a roll on a platform. I said, God, so I'm over there having a war with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me. I looked at the wall, the Lord spoke to me and said, you got too much pride to do it, don't you? Hold up now, call me out. I said, okay. So then my mind starts processing this. Because all of our instruments are over there. I'm over here. And I'm looking at myself going, probably about six rolls. Seven rolls. Y'all know y'all's mind works the same way, some of y'all. And so I'm, I'm telling y'all God's honest truth. I'm going, okay, 260 pounds. Do I take my jacket off? I don't want to crush these buttons. Never done this before. So my mind is processing all this. And I'm going, I gotta keep one eye open because I will barrel through this piano, this keyboard. This is happening in split seconds like that. Everybody's, ah! And I'm up here, oh my gosh, I think I'm fixing to do this. I think I'm fixing to do this, God. But see, you gotta start. In the flesh to get 
See, some of y'all think the Holy Ghost is going to come and snatch you out of your pew and you're going to be transported to an altar. That's not how it happens. you got to start in the flesh to get in the spirit. John said, I started in the Isle of Patmos. I was in my flesh. But when I got here, God said, okay, I brought you to a place in life uh, where now I can get you in the spirit. You're wondering why you're at the season of life that you're in. It's because God's trying to get you in the spirit. So I was standing there on the platform going, okay, all right. Wrestling over here, wrestling with God. Brother Poe is over here on the microphone, not even looking at me. And he goes, God's telling some of you to do something and you're fighting with him. And I went, all right, God. And so I, I walked over here, worshiping, going, okay, you got to do it. 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 And I knew. The hardest part is starting. So I knew if I started going down, I was committed. What, what, what am I going to say? I was going to lay down for a little while. Pastor, why did you lay down on the floor? Just just cause. The hardest part about getting what God wants for you is starting. But David didn't kill Goliath with a stone. He killed Goliath by taking the first step. And everything else the Spirit did. How are you going to get in the Spirit? You're going to do it by taking a step. I'm making a move toward the Lord this morning. Come on, we're getting, we're fixing to get somewhere in the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you. When I hit that ground, I started rolling. I didn't even count. I was, I got over here. I opened one eye and I thought, there's, I'm fixing to knock this keyboard over. And I said, I got to roll back. So I went to shift my weight. And that's the last thing I can tell you that happened because I was laid plumb straight out in the Holy Ghost. Uh, couldn't talk English, laughing and crying drunk in the spirit. Uh, and it happened uh, when I did something my flesh did not want to do. When's the last time you told your flesh, I'm going to do something that I don't want to do. I'm going to jump. I'm going to run. I'm going to get to that altar. It's going to happen when you get in the spirit. I tell you how. Come on, you need to start in the flesh and God will get you in the spirit this morning. That's it, sis. 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 Get in the Holy Ghost. Yes! Come on, I want you to step out of your pew right now. If you want the Holy Ghost, get to this altar. Come on, I want somebody to obey the Holy Ghost this morning. If God's telling you to run, you run. If God's
God's telling you to shout, you shout. If God's telling you just to come to this altar, you get to this altar. But you got to get in the spirit this morning.